0: Well, a series called Time. How many were hoping for a time management series? You know, how to how, see your hands, because it's not going to be that. <laughs> I mean, it might help a little. I don't know. I haven't figured that part out myself. Uh, no, it's really a very different slant on this. Uh, it's called Time. But what you're going to see is that the series really deals a lot with wisdom. It's the idea that God intends for us to recognize certain experiences certain realities and he wants us to not only recognize them but respond appropriately to them and when we do this we gain wisdom we live a life that would be called wise 100 years here's a couple facts to think about our earth is a vehicle hurtling through space around our sun at 67 oh boy we got a problem we have problems in the first service with the mic too so they gave me a new mic and this is making whistling noises how are we now all right um, you didn't know this, but you're traveling right now 67,000 miles per hour. You really are. You're, hurt- you're hurtling through space, and um, you don't feel it because your spaceship is so big, the earth, and uh, the space you're going through is so vast. Um, you're not tracking with me, I can tell. I'm going to have to try something different. <laughs> First service, man, they were so with me on this stuff. They were like, yes, Randy, yes, we want more of that. Uh, 100 years equals 1,200 months. How many knew that? Can I just see your hands? Yeah, okay, now you're with me. Uh, 52 weeks or 5,200 weeks if you live 100 years. 36,500, boy, we got problems fellas, with this mic. Uh, 30, 30, I can't even stand it myself, if, and I know they can't. If I could, Just give me that handheld back. I give up. This is just a cursed day, folks. <laughs> hours, 876,000 hours. Minutes, you care about these. and then seconds, 3,153,600,000, I can't take it. Where's my, get this thing off me quick. (laughs) Now, this will be even more aggravating because I'm not very good with these kind of mics. So this message will test your patience and uh, your kindness toward me. (laughs) All right. Just some interesting facts, how about this? If one actually lives to be 100 years old, our heart will beat three to four billion times. And you talk about a piece of machinery. Three to four billion times that heart will beat. Um, Now, of course, if you live to be 100, 33 years, you'll be unconscious with your mouth hanging open, sound asleep, (laughs) 33 years of sleep. Come on, people. (laughs) You'll be working out of those 100 years, about 11 to 12 years, some more. Uh, You'll be driving four to five years, much of which is spent in traffic. Three to four years online, some will be far more than that. Nine to ten years watching TV, some will be more, some will be less. One to two years cleaning, except for men, it'll be far less. (laughs) And four years eating, (laughs) well, maybe some less, some more on that one. But that's what your time would be spent. You know, if you separate all that out, you only have about 30 years or so for what we would call thinking about things. Now, we live in an interesting world, and from the time we're born... Until, if we allow it to be so, to the time we're dying, the only thing that our society teaches us, but it teaches it very well, very enticing, around the clock in all kinds of creative ways, it teaches us how to extend our lives to live longer, right? Everybody wants to live longer. And it teaches us how to make our lives more comfortable, more pleasurable as long as we live. And everything that you're going to learn from elementary school all the way through college and everything else you learn from society on, that's pretty much what it revolves around when you shrink it down. Live longer, live better, be happy. But what it leaves out are some things that I think are crucial to the human soul. We sang a song this morning, Elon introduced it, about you awaken my soul. One of the things that God wants to do for human beings is to awaken our soul. You see, deep inside there's something there that, that says we have got to find more there's got to be more than this who am i why am i here where did i come from what was my origin about Uh, what am i supposed to be doing with this life is there a designed way a designated way that we're all supposed to live well what's the meaning of this whole thing called life what is my meaning what is my purpose am i fulfilling it is there a purpose and where am I going? Okay, I know when I'm born, I know that at that point I start to die, and I get this 100-year run maybe, but what about after that? Because there's something in me that just wants to keep on living, and I just want things to keep getting better and brighter. I don't want them getting dimmer and worse, so, so how do I deal with this stuff that's inside me? I don't learn that in school. I don't learn that in college. I don't learn that in society. No, the truth of the matter is the only places you hear answers to things like that is when people are willing to come close, focus hearts, focus minds, and be willing to contemplate the revelation that the Creator has given to us in this unique book uh, called the Bible. Now, it's a terrible thing to not use our time wisely. Uh, Let me give you a couple of illustrations of what I think shows a, a sad misuse of time. Richard Dreyfuss, very good, very accomplished actor. He was asked about, you know, as he's getting older, about his views on life. And in the article, he says he's an agnostic, and yet he's kind of hoping for a reincarnation. So, you know, put all that together. But he says this, isn't it funny that God takes you and puts your thoughts, or excuse me, to put you through the unendurable, and then at the moment you have just begun to understand it and have some wisdom, it ends. I had this inner life which is vast and as large as the universe. I really like me. I I hope I have another life. I hope I get another shot. Now, here's a guy who's coming toward the end of that hundred years. He's moving in that direction, and the uncertainty is kind of sad. How about one more example? Iggy Pop uh, from the infamous band The Stooges. Uh, He was asked recently, he's 69 years old, it was January 25th, 2017, an interview with him. He was asked, does he think about his own mortality? His answer, well of course I do. Part of the experience of being my age and particularly in my corner of my field is that, oh gosh, I could click off the names but all sorts of people I've had a drink with and then all the people in my group, there's only one left that's alive besides him, with the exception of one, all of us are gone. So, obviously, I begin thinking about myself, needing his own mortality, it goes on. What exactly do you think, the interviewer asked Pop? Well, okay, I'm alive, great. So, what's good about that? That's question one. Then, what is a reasonable amount of time that I can look forward to? Would you be satisfied with being 69 years old and that's what your view on life is at that point? That you're just wondering, how much more time do you have? It appears to me that he hasn't contemplated this extraordinarily rare gift that God entrusts us with, this thing called time. Listen, the most important thing that you will ever have in your hands, and it will be moving as you hold it, is time. Once you give me your time, I give you my time. I've given something I can never reclaim, and neither can you. It's the most precious commodity any of us has, is time. You can't regain it once it's given. It's always on the move. But now, the Creator intended us to understand that there's a start and a stop. And He actually wants us to contemplate the stop, meaning death. That's what this portion or, or this message is going to be about as we move through life. Now, I want to take you to a portion of Scripture. It's uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. If you don't mind, turn to page 741. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background as you turn in there. Page 741, you're going to be looking at... Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This entire series of six messages will come from chapter 3. There are 14 cycles in chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. We're only going to cover six of them. But as you turn there, uh, Ecclesiastes is written by King Solomon. He was the greatest king of Israel's time in that he reigned fully over all the territory, or almost all the territory that God allotted to them. He was wealthy. He had great peace. His father David, a warrior, had set things up for him. When he was young, he made a prayer in 1 Kings chapter 3. You can read about it. He prayed to God that God would give him wisdom so that he could rule well over the people of Israel. And God answered and he said, I'm going to give you wisdom. And I'm going to give you more wisdom than anyone has ever had before you. And I'm going to give you so much wisdom, there's never going to be a person after you that has as much wisdom as you. It says in 1 Kings chapter 4, it says, The people came from all over the world of that day to just sit and listen to Solomon because he was indeed so wise. His wisdom was renowned. Now when you come to this book of Ecclesiastes though, it's an interesting season in Solomon's life. Because he's so wealthy, because he has so much peace, he decides to just explore everything that a human being can experience in life. And when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, that's kind of the background, and he goes way, way, way astray, but then he comes back to some conclusions. And essentially... Essentially, it's this idea that you better be examining time and its use or it's impossible to live life wisely. Solomon wrote Proverbs and he wrote Ecclesiastes. And both of those books are all about wisdom and it always contrasts wisdom with the fool. Solomon says some people are fools. They live life foolishly. They go with the flow. They line up with everybody else. They don't think about the meaning of life. They don't consider their creator. He says other people grow wise in this life. So... Let's pick up now, and like I said, there's 14 cycles that we're going to cover here, but we're only going to look at six in this series. So let's start in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, For everything there is an appointed time, and an appropriate time for every activity on earth. Notice those two things, because that's kind of the key overriding concepts in this entire series. God wants us to recognize that there are certain times, certain cycles, certain seasons, and these seasons, we're not just to recognize them, we're to understand what is the appropriate action for this time and this season. And if we recognize the times and if we then participate with appropriate action, we become what Scripture calls wise. So he says, for there's an appointed time and an appropriate time for everything on activity on earth. Let's go on. Now it gets kind of redundant. Here's the 14 cycles. Today we're going to deal with verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die a time to plant, and a time to uproot what was planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give something up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to rip and a time to sow a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, the first one we're going to deal with is a time to be born and a time to die. And what Solomon's point is, is that if we don't look at these realities and consider them early in life, it's impossible to live wisely. Let me say it differently. If we don't early on in life consider the reality of our death and the uncertainty of it, it is literally impossible for us to live wisely. We will absolutely live foolishly. How many have ever heard people say things like, you know, if you really want to live wisely, contemplate being at your own funeral, and what would you want to hear people saying at your funeral? How many have ever heard that illustration before? That's a pretty good thing, you know, really. I mean, if you want to hear people say nice things about you, you best be doing nice things. If you want family members and friends and associates to you know, speak lovingly toward you, you you best be investing in that kind of a lifestyle. Woody Allen said that here's what he'd like to hear when he's at his funeral. Somebody would look and say, look, look, he's moving, he's moving. (laughs) (laughs) But we know that just doesn't work that way. So let me give you a little formula. We're going to repeat this formula all through this series because it is the key to these cycles of life that we are to become aware of, but then awareness is not enough unless we produce the appropriate action for each cycle. So here's this little formula. Awareness, God wants us to develop awareness and appropriate action and that equals wisdom in life. We need to know what time it is. We need to know what season it is in life and then we need to understand and apply the appropriate action for that time and that season. That equals wisdom. Let me go with a further explanation. When we do this, this catalyzes dormant developmental capacities. In other words, God has put these capacities in in us. The scripture says we're made in God's image. But there are certain capacities, Christ-like capacities, that will not ever develop in you or develop in me unless I become aware of the times and then take the appropriate action. This catalyzes these dormant developmental capacities. In other words, this is part of God's growth development program for each and every one of us, which is why this is so critical. All right, let's, um, let's look at one other portion of Scripture in Ecclesiastes because Solomon kind of summarizes everything in the 12th chapter. So go ahead and turn there if you were already in chapter 3, page 741. I guess if you go to page 751 uh, in his Bibles that are near you on your chair, we can go to chapter 12, and I'm going to skip around a bit. Let's, let's start in verse 1. So here's Solomon's conclusions. He says, so remember your creator in the days of your, what does it say? Youth. Youth. So he's saying, listen, you've got to be thinking about your creator right from the start. It's his way of saying, or my way of saying it, is, you, you better be thinking about the end in the beginning. How many of you, if you had to, have to choose a contractor to build your house, how many of you have ever had that experience, by the way? You had a contractor build your house. Let me see your hands. Yeah, that's a terrible experience, isn't it? Um, it's, it's good when it's over and <laughs> that's the good part about it you know but let's say you have two contractors you're interviewing and so one contractor comes to you and he says oh, okay well here I have this book and it shows you all these various plans of homes that you can choose from you say okay you look through the plans and and that's pretty good you get another cra- contractor and you're saying well, well look uh, what kind of house can you offer to build for me he says oh no no, no I don't work that way he says you see when I, when I build a house what I do is it, I just got to feel it man I just whatever comes over me I just kind of start working and, you know, whatever, whatever I feel, that's, that's what you get. Which contractor are you hiring? <laughs> yeah, you know the answer. We all understand so many things in life require us looking at the end in the beginning. And if you don't have a clear picture of the end and its value and its importance, we're not going to be able to take the appropriate steps that would be called wise steps along the way so that's the idea so let's go to chapter 12 and in verse 1 he says remember your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you will say I have no pleasure in them drop down to verse 7 and the dust returns to the earth it was it was and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the life's breath or spirit returns to God who gave it and then jump one more time with me to verse 13 Having heard everything, I have reached this conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear, the idea is that have reverence, give supreme importance to God, and keep his commandments because this is the whole duty of man. For God will evaluate every deed, including everything, whether good or evil. It's critical that we start life with this understanding of how it ends. It's going to end, first of all. And we don't know when it's going to end, and we don't know how it's going to end. We didn't choose the way we were born, when we were born, right? We, we didn't choose whether to be born now or 500 years in the past. We didn't choose to be born in America. We didn't, we didn't choose, to be, you know, we could have been born in Asia, Africa. We could have been born in any place. We didn't choose to be born in the family we are in. We have no cho- choice over birth or death. But we better be thinking about the idea that life is going to end And God's going to assess how we have spent. you got to get this, how we have spent, because it's an investment, our time. And we're spending it every day, every second, every week, every month, every year. And what God's goal is, is that as we spend time, recognize the times and seasons of life, and then give the appropriate response or action, we develop, we grow. We become who God intended us to be. We're doing the things he intended us to do, and we become what Scripture calls wise and not fools. Solomon's always contrasting the wise and the fool. So consider the end in the beginning. There's a lot of Scripture that reinforces this. If you look in the book of James chapter 4, verse 14, the reality is you have no idea where your life will take you tomorrow. I don't know. You don't know. I have right now. I don't have the next minute even, nor do any of us. You are like a mist that appears one moment and then vanishes another. Even a hundred years, it goes by much faster than what we would ever expect. In Psalm 90, verse 12, the psalmist says something that's uh, very important for us to contemplate. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you, meaning to God, what? A heart of wisdom. God intends us... To recognize the times and the seasons in life, and then to follow through with appropriate action that changes us inside, that helps us develop, and that is what wisdom is. And at the end of life, what God is hoping for, what he wants, is that you and I will be able to give to him a heart that has grown wise in life, a heart that has learned the truth about God, the truth about life, a heart that has appropriately adjusted to realities that God has put in place in life as opposed to ignoring them. Fools ignore realities. They, they don't think about death. They don't think about judgment. They don't think about the, the way God has designed us, that there's a way that we live that works and a way that does not work. And so this is a critical thing that we would be moving through life, investing our time so that we are acquiring wisdom, that we can present that wisdom to God. That's what he wants for us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you just follow the majority of people in the world, if you just follow the masses... Uh, you will live like a fool and die like a fool. Uh, Jesus said something kind of shocking in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. He said, you know, the way that leads to destruction, he said, it's full of people. It's broad. It's packed. The majority is on the path that leads to destruction. He says, but the way that leads to life, he said, there's very few on that path. And it said, it's narrow, but it's the way that leads to life. So we can't just relax and say, hey, man, everybody thinks about it this way. Everybody does it. So what's the difference, you know? That's not... What scripture, the creator says, is wise. So let me try to give you a, 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 a kind of an insight of why it's so critical that we become wise in this life. There's a guy named uh, Breitbart, uh, William Breitbart, and he's the head of psych, uh, psychiatry at a uh, cancer research hospital. It's uh, Sloan Kettering in New York. And uh, he was working with cancer patients many cases terminal and all of a sudden in the 90s there was this influx of assisted suicides or the desire for assistance in suicides and so he was looking into this thing and he says this the assumption had been that the ill chose to end their lives because they were in terrible pain but when Breitbart asked patients why they wanted a prescription for assisted suicide many said it was because they had lost meaning in life It wasn't the pain, they had lost meaning. Breitbart Breitbart knew he could treat depression with drugs or therapy, but he was stumped when it came to treating meaninglessness. It goes on, what I suddenly discovered, Breitbart explained, was that the importance of meaning, the search for meaning, the need to create meaning, the ability to experience meaning, was a basic motivating force of human behavior. We were not taught this stuff at medical school. You see, inside of every single human being that you and I will ever meet, and inside of us, it's this longing for meaning. I want today and tomorrow and the rest of my life, and when the end of my life comes, I want to be able to make some sense out of it, that it mattered to somebody, that every every part of it mattered, that there's a meaning and there's a purpose. I challenge you, ask anyone to come up with a sufficient, a soul-satisfying sufficient reason for or for the or the expression for the meaning of life apart from. From God apart from our Creator apart from his plan and purpose for us it's not there and that's why these people were opting for death that when they finally got into the hardest places in life they had no purpose they had no meaning there was no reason to fight anymore so purpose is critical and purpose comes from seeing life from God's perspective let me share a little thought with you focus on eternity As you travel through time. This is a really critical principle in life. Again, we're thinking of the end and the beginning. Focus on eternity. Solomon says, at the end of it all, we're going to stand before God and he's going to assess things. And that's good news. That means that all of your acts of faithfulness will not be forgotten, but rewarded. It means you it counts when you go through those hard times. But focus on eternity as you travel through time. And this is really possible. I've done it for 44 years of my life. It doesn't mean that you're constantly thinking about eternity, but it's always there. It's it's behind you. You're measuring things. You're you're wise. You're thinking. You're living strategically, is what it's talking about. So, okay, considering the end in the beginning, a time to be born and a time to die is important. But honestly, just considering the end in the beginning doesn't matter much if we don't pursue the end from the beginning. In other words, if my desire is that when life has ended, I'm going to hear from Christ, well done, good and faithful servant. If I want the people that knew me best to love me most, if I want people to say, this person blessed my life, uh, imparted something of value to me, then I must, you must be pursuing that now, consciously, strategically, deliberately. Because if we don't, it, it just won't happen. It's not the way life works. So some of you, I assume, were probably thinking, well, Randy... I've already missed that train, man. It's, it's, it's too late for me because it says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I haven't done that. I, I, I haven't walked with God from my youth. In fact, Randy, I, I'm, I'm in my latter times in life. I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 80, I'm 90. And and I'm just now kind of awakening to the importance of a relationship with my creator. So what about me? Have I blown it? Have I burned all the, the time? Is, is there any hope that God would ever... Still be pleased with someone like me? Listen to this verse from Hebrews 3.15. The scripture says, if you hear his voice when? Today. Today. Don't be stubborn like those who rebelled. If we hear his voice today, don't be stubborn. In other words, there's still time. It doesn't matter what season we are in life. There's a really peculiar parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Some of you have probably read it, but it's really an interesting one. It's this parable where he says, hey, there was this guy, he had this vineyard. And he needed some work. He needed some help with it. So he went out to hire some people. So he went out around nine o'clock and he said, Hey, man, you want to work, work today? You want to work in my vineyard? Come on, I'll, I'll pay you what's right. The guy hires. He says, He goes out a little later and he hires some more guys. Then he goes out again at 12 o'clock. He says, Hey, man, you want to work today? Come on to my vineyard. I'll pay you what's right. Then he goes out, it says again at three o'clock and he hires more guys. Then the parable says, He goes out at five o'clock. I mean, it's only about an hour before quitting time, I imagine. Five o'clock and he hires more guys. He says, Don't worry, I'll, I'll pay you what's right. So, okay, the parable goes to the time for the guys to get paid. So there's a guy that started at 9 o'clock, one that started, who knows, 10, 11 o'clock, one that started at 12, one that started at 3, one that started at 5. He hardly rolled up his sleeves and it was quitting time already. And in the parable, the owner of the vineyard, you're not going to like this. (laughs) He gives all of them the same amount of money. Now, come on, let's be honest. If you're the 9 o'clock person, are you a little ticked? Oh, yeah, you're, you're a little ticked. You say, well, what, what's the point of this? Jesus says the first, in some cases, are going to be last, and the last are going to be first. God doesn't look at time like you and I do. There are numerous examples of this. God wants us to finish well. And finishing well can happen even at the very closing years of your life. Please do not be discouraged if you're thinking, I haven't walked with my Creator since the days of my youth. I haven't been thinking about the end from the beginning. I've lost a lot of years living kind of just casually going with the flow, and it's too late for me. No, it's not. You're the person that comes into the vineyard at 5 o'clock. You can still get a full well-done good and faithful servant. God knows how that is hard for us to accept, so he, so he added some, some verses in the Old Testament to kind of help us really embrace this. Listen to this from Isaiah 65, 2 and 7. This is God speaking mind you. He says, I've always been ready to welcome my people who stubbornly do what is wrong and go their own way. Take, get that. He says, I've always been willing to welcome them, even though they're stubborn and they always want to do wrong and go their own way, but I've been willing to welcome them And then it urges us, turn to the Lord. He can still be found. That's why it says call upon him today. Don't be stubborn. He can still be found. Call out to God. He is near. Give up your crooked ways and your evil thoughts. Return to the Lord our God. He will be, what's the first word? Merciful. I need to know that. Because I think in terms of calculations, oh man, I've burned too many years. I've wasted too many talents and opportunities. He says, no, 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 no. Mercy. Mercy. I'll be merciful to you. And he says, not only will I be merciful to you, but I'll what? I'll forgive some of your sins. Does it say that? I'll forgive all your sins except that one. Does it say that? But that's how we feel, isn't it? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know. I know that's how we feel sometimes. That's not what it says. He will be merciful and forgive your sins, all. And so it's not too late to start living with the end in mind. It's not too late to start focusing on eternity as we travel through time. It is not too late for any of us to get a full reward, a well-done, good, and faithful servant. Now is the time. It's the time to hear the voice of God, not to harden our hearts, not to live like fools, not to go with the flow, because going with the flow in the crowd will be a disastrous thing when those human beings that were made in his image and, and had so much that they could have been and it never developed because they neither knew the times, they didn't have the awareness, and they didn't follow through with the appropriate action to become the people that God created them to be. Listen to this passage from the New Testament that again urges us to look at the end of the beginning. It's meant to motivate us. It's meant to encourage us. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah or the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what he deserves for what he has done in his body, whether good or what does it say? Worthless. Worthless. Now that that is meant to incentivize us. It's not meant to terrify us. It means that we Everything we do, every act of faithfulness, the smallest, the tiniest that no one else sees or no one else even cares about—maybe a bunch of things that you and I have long forgotten—God is marking them down, and it all matters. Your life has meaning; it has meaning at every season, every stage, right until the end. It has meaning, and God's there, ready to award us. Came across a story fascinating about a guy named Coleman Mockler. He was uh, the CEO for Gillette Corporation for 16 years. And this guy in 1991, was uh, January 25, 1991, he was put on the cover of Forbes magazine. Essentially, they were upholding him as the epitome of what a successful CEO is all about. Um, there it is. He, he had brought the, the stock up 50-fold for Gillette. Uh, the guy had millions of dollars in earnings. Uh, he received that magazine cover one week before it came out. Forbes gave it to him, and he brought it back to his company, and all the other people at the company, they applauded and they celebrated him. They were so proud to work with Coleman Mockler. They, they liked him. He was such a great leader. And so the story goes, he had the magazine in his hands. He thanked all the people around him, and then he told them, he said, I intend this to be my last year. I'm going to retire. And, uh, of course, everybody was a little bit saddened, but he walked back to his office and he closed the door. And when he closed the door, he had a massive heart attack. And they found his body still clutching the magazine cover. And I think to myself, was was that enough? Was that a wisely lived life? There's no indication that Coleman Mockler had a relationship with his creator. There's no relation that he ever put his trust in Christ and became his follower He really accomplished a lot of things the way the world sees. I'm not saying that they weren't admirable accomplishments, but really, did he live in light of of eternity? Did, did Did he think about the end and the beginning? Do you think when his heart was crushing in pain, he was thinking, I'm really satisfied with the way I've invested my life, and I'm really ready to go into whatever there is after this? I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. So... He serves as a warning sign to us to follow this next verse. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, stand strong. Do not let anything move you. The idea, don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. Don't be deterred, he says. Don't let anything move you. Always. That's a big word. Always. Always give yourselves, the next one is really big too, fully, not half-heartedly, not dutifully. Always give yourselves fully to what? You tell me. To the work of the Lord. I didn't write that. Paul did. The Apostle Paul, led by the Spirit of God. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Why, Paul? Why should we do this? There's a lot of other things that, that, you know, require our involvement. Because you know that your work in the Lord is never what? wasted now we're all spending time like i said we're all investing time it's moving it's moving really fast the only question is are we investing our time in anything that's going to have impact in eternity not just for us but for others now don't get me wrong i mean Sometimes I think the most impactful things are done in secret with very few people knowing them. Like I said, every act of faithfulness counts. But God wants us to be conscientious about these things. He said, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because he says, you're never going to regret this. It's never going to be worthless. So isn't that a good question to ask yourselves right now? Am I, are you, are you? Always giving ourselves to the work of the Lord, fully giving ourselves to the work of the Lord because we're confident that's something you can invest time in and you will be glad at the end that you invested it now as you go through eternity. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always involved in church work. I mean, you know, the work of the Lord is every day, everywhere we're at. It's being faithful at the job. It's being faithful at home. It's it's all these different things, but we're doing it to honor God and to bless others. But but are we always at it, always at the work of the Lord? That's a good way to invest your life, and I don't shrink back from saying that. Let me close with a story about a lady that is quite a contrast to the other examples we've had at this point, contrast to Richard Dreyfus. contrast to Iggy Pop in there, their lack of preparation for what could be closing years, lack of Coleman Mockler. And it's a lady named Kara Tippett. And Kara Tippett was a long-term follower of Christ, even though she died quite young. She uh, died and went to be with the Lord in March 22, 2015. And as she was dying, she had terminal cancer, and she knew it, but she, she journaled and kept a record of all her experiences as she went in and out of different seasons of suffering and struggle. She had four young kids she left behind. And she put it into a book. The book was published in 2014. It was called A Hard Peace, A Hard Peace. And at the closing portion of her life, I want to just share some of her words with you. She said, my little body has grown tired of the battle. And treatment is no longer helping but what I see, what I know, what I have is Jesus. He has still given me breath, and with it I pray I would live well and fade well. By degrees, listen to her words. She understands that this matters. It has meaning, even this hard season. I wanna live well and I wanna fade well. By degrees doing both, living and dying. As I have moments left to live, I get to draw my people close, kiss them, and tenderly speak love over their lives. Mind you, again, she had four kids. If I can go to the next slide. I get to pray into eternity my hopes and fears for the moments of my loves. I get to laugh and cry and wonder over heaven. I do not feel like I have the courage for this journey, but I have... What does it say? Man, you better be able to say that. You're going to go through seasons, and I'm going to go through seasons, and I've been through some... You better be able to say, I may not know much, but I know, I know that I have Jesus, and he has me, and he is with me. And he will provide, and he has given me so much to be grateful for, and that gratitude, that wondering over his love will cover us all, and it will carry us, carry us in ways we cannot comprehend. How does one human being was taken off this planet so young, leaving behind four small kids. How does she end her life with that kind of confidence, that kind of courage, that kind of dignity, that kind of beauty, beauty? How does that happen? I can tell you, this is a lady that early in her life remembered her creator. She looked in terms of the end of her life in the beginning and she lived with her eyes on a goal. She moved through eternity, or she moved through time with a focus on eternity. And every single one of us in here can do that. Even if we haven't up to this point, we can today. This can be the starting point. That's why that verse said, today, if you hear his voice, don't be stubborn. Today, today. So one more time, let's have that phrase. Focus on eternity as you travel through time. That's the only way to invest our lives wisely in this little bit we call time. Now, we're going to... We're going to take communion or the Lord's Supper, whatever term you like to use in a minute. And, and those elements, those symbols, that little bit of bread and that little bit of juice or wine, those were given by Jesus to, to be physical reminders to us that we are to focus on eternity as we go through time. So Bill's going to come and he's going to give some uh, logistical instructions. And then I'm going to come back and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have communion together. But, but let me pray for you before we do that. Father, help each of us to... To become strategically minded to find ways to keep our focus on eternity as we go through time help us each to know what might work for us whether it's uh, getting in a group or getting a study bible or or writing it uh, 1 first corinthians 15 58 on a card and reading it every day whatever whatever it is you know us you know our hearts help us to live wisely with the end insight we ask this in christ's name